This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 733. I'm looking forward to the spring market. It's it's already heating up. We've been helping a lot of first-time home buyers house hack, and that, that's been big for us in, in, in this market. And uh, I think there was a lot of fear towards the end of last year, and that fear is now broken. And we're seeing a lot of those buyers coming to us. So we, we know it's going to be a good time for first-time home buyers that, that are interested in house hacking to, to you know, take that, that step forward. What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, joined by my co-host today, Dave Meyer, as we get into a special episode for you all. In today's show, me and two other real estate agents that you can find through the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder system are sharing deals that we helped clients buy, getting into the nitty-gritty, the details, how we found them, what we're doing, and why these strategies worked in today's market. Mr. Dave Meyer, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This was a fun show. Yeah, this was a really fun show. So if you're trying to figure out how do I work with an agent, how do I find a really good agent to work with me, and what strategies are actually working in this complicated, crazy market we're in today, this is a show for you. Dave, what were some of your favorite parts of today's show? I think the most important takeaway for me is that there's good opportunities right now. And our guests show that if you're patient and have a good understanding of your local market, there's great stuff to buy. And I know, you know, David, you talk about this. I talk about this, that there are opportunities but sometimes it just sort of seems theoretical. And today we really sort of put the the numbers behind it and show how people are finding deals, what kinds of deals are working in today's market. And I think I was pretty inspired by it. And I think our listeners will be as well. That's exactly right. The goal of today's show is to show you practical steps that you can take to get a great deal under contract and then turn it into an even better one. So before we get into that, today's quick tip is brought to you by Dave Meyer himself. Uh, thank you. Well, our quick tip today is to use the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder. If you want to meet investor-friendly agents like my friend here, David Green, who is the friendliest of all real estate agents, <laughs> look at that smile right now. If you can't see right now, he is cheesing it up right now. But if you want to meet people like David who are experts in their field, experts in their local markets, and know how to work with investors, Bigger Pockets has a completely free tool that you can use to match with investor-friendly agents. You can find it by going to biggerpockets.com slash agent finder. It's completely free, it's easy, and it's biggerpockets.com slash agent finder. So go check that out. And then check out our show while I work on continuing to improve my smile. My goal for 2023 is to give the girl from the Orbitz gum commercials a run for her money. You're gonna have that little like ding when it goes up. Well, you know, next week, so everyone listening to this, next week, we're going to be in Denver, uh, you know, doing a little podcast host retreat. And I think we have a photo shoot uh, that we need to do. So I'm ready to see you you smiling and doing the professional uh, headshots over there. I'll be hitting the arm curls as well as the lip curls. Oh, okay. Nice. I'm I'm really looking forward to, I don't know if they make you do this too, the like really stupid YouTube faces, you know, like how everyone's YouTube thumbnails are now like hands on the face or shock. So that's what David and <laughs> that's what David and I are going to be doing next week. <laughs> All right, let's get to our first agent. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Okay, well, Dahlia, Caliph, David Green, and Rob Chavez, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Show. Thanks for having us, Dave. Thanks for having us. All right, if you all didn't listen to episode 697, where we had this group of three real estate agents on to talk about their different markets, we compared and contrast them. Uh, if you weren't here, just so you know, Dahlia is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. David is all over the California region, but we were specifically talking about the San Diego market, and Rob is in the D.C. area. And we had a great show. It was a really popular show where we talked about the different benefits to each type of market, what pros and cons there were. And so we wanted to follow up on that episode and actually talk about the specific deals that are happening in each of these markets right now. So we're going to go through uh, each of the markets and our guests are going to share with us deals that they are working on right now with their clients. And Dahlia, we're going to start with you. So can you tell us a little bit about a deal that you're doing right now in Tulsa? Absolutely. Um, so it's actually not a deal that I'm currently doing. It's a deal that closed on last month. Great. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, I would say this was kind of a double dip in terms of the numbers being great on both ends of it. It was what I would consider a wholetale. The buyer uh, approached me about a property in his neighborhood that had been sitting for a long time, owned by an older couple, uh, couple that was moving, moving on and wanted something that was easy, had been sitting, not a whole lot of traffic just because the property 
was really needing too much work for someone who wanted to own or occupy the property, but too expensive for an investor. So it was in that spot where properties don't move when they uh, fit into that you know spot. And what was the what was the list price? The list price when we offered on it was two ninety five. I'm sure it had been more than that at some point and had been dropped, but still was too hot. Just too much work for an owner occupant to. It was super dated, needed a lot of work. So my buyer approached me and said, "Hey, this property happened to be in his neighborhood, so he was keeping an eye on it, seeing that there was no activity, been sitting forever." and wanted to try to make a significantly lower offer on it. So we went in at 210 with cash offer can close as fast as titles ready and as fast as they're ready to close and no inspections. So that really helped it. And they accepted. So we closed at 210. This was actually back in October. He wasn't sure exactly what he wanted to do with the property yet. He thought, maybe I'll flip it. Maybe I will make it a rental. Maybe I'll tear down and build new construction because it's happening a lot over in that area. Then he told me, you know, I'm seeing there's not much inventory in my area. What is coming up is moving pretty well. What if we just clean it up and put it back on the market and see what happens? So that's what we did. We put it back on the market, got under contract within a couple weeks. We ended up closing at two ninety seven on that one. Uh, actually, back in January. So within a couple months, I think he spent maybe ten k just taking out some trees, cleaning up the yard. That was it. Nothing was done to the interior. And, um, you know, so made a nice little chunk of change there in a couple month period. Not going to lie. I was jealous. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Uh, there, there's a bunch of stuff in there I want, I want to jump into. So you, you said that you, you, when you first offered on it, list price was two ninety five. You got it for two ten, which is nearly 30% below list price, which is remarkable. How did you do that? So this and this doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes you get into a unique situation where you have a seller that just needs to get out and they want something quick and easy. And that's what this was for them, especially when you remove your inspection contingency. And I'm not recommending that people always do that, but this was a situation where the numbers made sense where he could do that and felt comfortable with it. So this fit all those elements that the sellers were looking for. We did negotiate back and forth a little bit before we landed on the 210. And that being our final number we closed with. Wow. And how, as a real estate agent, did you advise your client in this situation? Did you come up with the 210 number? Or how? Where, where did that come from? Well, we took into consideration what comps were and what we estimated rehab would be if he was going to flip. And that was how we came up with that number. And then obviously, you're just always trying to get the best price possible. So that's where we landed at based on those things. Great. And so it sounds like he thought about flipping was what what went into the decision then to 
do a minor cosmetic repair, which you called the wholesale. So maybe actually, can you just, a wholesale, excuse me. Can you uh, explain to the audience what a wholesale is and why your client decided to go with that strategy? Well, wholesale is when you basically get something under market price and you basically don't do anything, barely anything to it, and then put it back on the market. So the reason why I don't think he initially had that plan, but because of the lack of inventory and what was coming up moving well, he thought, why not try? And obviously, it's a lot nicer to be able to do no rehab and make money versus the time and effort and expense of doing a full-blown rehab. Yeah, well, it sounds like he netted, just trying to do this math in my head here for a second, netted something like $87,000 off of, uh, you know, it must have been probably 50K uh, investment for a very short hold period. So that's an excellent uh, ROI there. Um, Is this a common strategy used in Tulsa? Not necessarily. Um, I think it just depends on if everything makes sense to to do it. If you have enough equity play there in the deal, and if you feel like, especially when you have low inventory, it just opens up the the options for a lot of things. But it's not necessarily super common. But it's great when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Are are there, would you, do you think there are other opportunities like this? Uh, you know, you said it was sort of an older couple. They had been, um, you know, on the, it had been sitting on the market for a little while, but you're also saying that in Tulsa, generally speaking, there's not a lot of inventory. So, uh, are there, do you think other people are finding deals like this? I mean, it's still possible. The big thing is focusing on those properties that, have been sitting on the market for a while and a lot of times overpriced, that can be a hidden gem. You know, people will overlook a property because it's priced too high. Well, it's been sitting on the market for two months. Try giving them a significantly lower offer and see what happens. The worst people can do is tell you no. Yeah, absolutely. And so then you relisted the property and you said it it went quickly. How fast were you able to move move it once you listed it? Yeah, just within a couple weeks. And I think the nice, the thing that worked to our advantage too is at that point, the property was vacant. So it could be shown as much as possible versus before that, they had really limited the showings. They didn't want a lot of people coming in. So that helped us as well. Wow, that's great. And what can you just tell us a little bit since, since we last talked? I guess that was maybe November. how has the Tulsa market changed at all? Are you still seeing good deals, low inventory, or how would you describe it right now? We're still low inventory. As far the good thing is we can negotiate more versus we couldn't do that before. So we have more negotiation room. So you can make deals happen if, you know, especially for properties that have been sitting. It's not multiple offers and bidding wars every deal like it was before. The biggest thing is just battling the interest rate. But what I like everyone to know is 
you can refinance. You can't change your purchase price. So be patient, get the deal. And then down the road, when the rates are better, you can refinance. Yeah, you said said something about being patient. And and I really uh, agree with that. When you're looking at a market like the one we're in now, where prices are falling in certain markets, are you advising your clients to continue to buy at list price? Are you offering under list typically? Yeah, I'm always offering under list. If there's no other offers, I'm offering under list. Now, it's it's one thing if the property just came on the market, then you know you don't have that strong negotiation tool. But if it's been sitting, I'm offering under list, absolutely. And has there been a uptick in the number of, you know, the success rate of offering under list price? Absolutely. Yeah, there has. Especially properties, I'd say in that over over 200,000 price point, those properties have definitely began to sit more. So 230 and up, we have a lot of negotiation room and there's just a lot more inventory in that price point. Awesome. That's a good point to notice that different markets have <clears throat> sort of an equilibrium price point where properties below that number tend to sell quicker. Properties above that number tend to sell over more time. Right? I, I break it up into three categories. I say every, every market has starter homes, step-up homes, and luxury homes. And luxury doesn't mean extravagance. It just means a price point that is so high, a smaller percentage of buyers can afford to get into that. And step-up homes tend to be something you had to sell a starter home to get enough money to buy it. You're not going to save up the down payment for that on your own. And when you and starter homes will always be the first ones to sell. So when that isn't explained, people use some of the strategies that work on luxury homes and they try to apply it to a starter home that has a lot of competition, or they assume luxury homes, you have to pay over asking price just like you had to on a starter home when that's not the case. So I, I love your point there that 230 is your is your break-even level, right? And beneath that, certain strategies work, and above that, different strategies work. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb, and that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your 
transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I.com slash BiggerPockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Rob and David would both love their break-even point to be $230,000. But, uh, <laughs> well, it sounds like a, like a, a real home run, Dahlia. It's a, an awesome deal. Thank you for sharing that. Let's move over to Washington, D.C. Rob. Thanks for coming back. Can you tell us about what deals you've been working on? Yeah, you know, the, the D.C. metro area, which is where I'm at, it's a, it's a huge market, Dave. And there's so many different pockets. Uh, and one of the areas that we've been focused on a lot for our investors is kind of like this Airbnb game. And one of the things that we've been doing recently, because there's not a lot of inventory on the market, is marketing for off-market properties, to identify off-market properties. And so we started these postcard campaigns looking for off-market properties. And we had somebody raise their hand that was behind on their mortgage payment. So their first and their second were both behind. Believe it or not, their, their second had not been paid on in five years. 
right? Five years. Don't ask me why the bank had not foreclosed, but they hadn't, right? And, um, you know, it was originally a, a $30,000 lien and it now had ballooned up to, to $75,000, right? And so this seller was at a point where she just wanted the problem solved. This had been an investment property with her and a business partner. The business partner had passed away, right? And she wasn't able to manage it from afar like she, like I think maybe her business partner had been local. And so we, I entered it with my buyer. My buyer, we looked at the, we looked at the asset itself. We said, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to this thing. There had been a lot of deferred maintenance. And with that second note that was on there, it now made it, it was still a decent deal with that second note that was on there, right? So I'll give you the numbers. The fixed up, it's worth about 350 with the first and the second totaled about 170 somewhere around there, 170 175 um, But that second lien, like now made it, like he, he still had to put another fifty to 60000 to to extract the value, right? It kind of made it, difficult to make it just a complete home run deal. So back in the day, Dave, I had done a ton of short sales. And I said, well, you know, there might be an opportunity for us to short the second position note. And it doesn't hurt, just like it doesn't hurt to, to, to try. And so what we did was we talked to the seller. We um, negotiated a price on that property. Um, the price essentially was making all the back payments up on the first and gave a little bit of equity on the front end to that seller because she was mentally already gone. This thing was going to go to foreclosure in 25, 25 days. And we then proceeded to take that contract to the bank and we were able to get that $75,000 lien uh, to $7,500, right? So think about that. We, want, we offered it just one time, right? We thought that they might go back and forth. They accepted. They knew that the bank was going to foreclose on the first. And so they were like, hey, we haven't been paid on this thing for, for five years. We're going to get $7,500. Rob, can you can you just explain that for a second for everyone listening who's not familiar with the difference between a first and second position lien and what you did basically to convince the second position lien to short sell? First position lien was the original mortgage that they took out on that house. And somewhere along the way, they had gotten an equity line on that property because there had been some equity in that property. So they'd gotten an equity line against that property and had tapped it for $30,000. So now it was in a second position under the first position note that they had originally gotten, the first loan that they'd gotten. And for whatever reason, they stopped paying on the second, long time back. And now there was there was motivation for that second position loan to take something less than what had originally been taken out on because the first position was now foreclosing. So five years later, for whatever, she had also fall, fallen behind on the first position note. So that prompted the second position to say, you know what, we need to do something. Just so people know, the difference between first position is like the way it works is first position gets first access to the benefits of a sale. So basically what happens if there is a foreclosure with the first position loan, 
then the person who has a second position loan is at risk of not getting any money out of the deal, right? Rob, so is that that's why they're motivated because they're all of a sudden thinking they're going to sell this house, the first position is going to foreclose, and I'm going to be left with nothing. I'm left with nothing, right? Or very low. Thank you, Dave. No, of course. That's what I'm here for. And so the second was highly motivated, right, to, to do something. And they knew that they were they were gonna they were gonna get stuck with it if they didn't. So hence the reason why they took what was owed the seventy five thousand dollar total owed to them. Why they only took seventy five hundred dollars, right? Which you know you're like, why would they do that? Well, because like you said, Dave, if it went to auction, they may not have done better. Maybe they would have done better, but maybe not, right? And so this way they 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 knew like exactly where they stood. They wanted it, the debt off their books. More than likely, Dave, that second position note had been sold to a creditor, right? For pennies on the dollar. And that creditor might've made money on that, right? That's a whole different thing we won't get into. Um, but more than likely, that's kind of what happened. And so um, it took a good deal and made it a great deal, right? Now there was a, another element to it. And the other element to it was, we realized that the first position note had a, a 2% like interest rate on 2%, right? I mean, and that's value in itself. And so I just happened to mention to my buyer, I said, listen, there's this, there's this tactic called subject to, right? You're, you're taking over, you, you essentially get the deed subject to the existing, you know, first loan that's there. And I worked through the mechanics with him wrapped his mind around how that looked, right? And we were able to purchase that property subject to the existing note that was there. There is a, there's always a risk that, and I warned about the risk, that that loan could get called, right? That could get called because there is a due on sale clause. Now it was only $90,000, right? So we were like, okay, well, if it does happen, we had the ability to get him access to the money in order to get that covered, right? But we said, oh, let's let's try it because again, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to try. And you know, we essentially, you know, shorted the second, took over the first, made all the back payments for the first loan, settled on that property in it completely for about one hundred and twenty thousand after all cost. Right, the way it sat, just like David David and I had talked about this, we bought the equity because. When we shorted that second, well, it was now probably worth about 170,000 sitting the way it was, and now we've got it for 120. So we we got that 50,000 in equity. We created that, right? Now we're going to put in 50,000, which he's in the process of doing, and it's going to be worth. We might be into it for 60, 65, but it's now going to be worth 325, 350, and he's going to Airbnb it, and the payments. You know, he'll probably collect somewhere around 3,500 dollars a month. Right, maybe as much as four thousand dollars a month, and it 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 just is a great little deal, right? Like Dahlia had said, these don't happen all the time. There was just a, a lot of different circumstances, but because we understood the different moving pieces that we could put together in this puzzle, we were able to help structure this deal for our buyer in a way that was just a complete home run for him, right? And. Um, and so the points that I want to kind of bring on it, it was an off-market deal, and it took some creative thinking on how to structure it. And then we also helped him raise the capital 
to help renovate the property, which is one of the benefits that an agent investor brings to the table. It's just our, our contacts, our resources in order to put these things together to help our buyers build wealth in that process. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like a, an incredible, incredible deal. Um, and it sounds like you've you added a tremendous amount of value to your buyer. I do want to just say to everyone listening that not every agent has off-market deals in sub two, and that and that does take some a, a good deal of effort um, to find, and they're not all like that. But uh, that that's a remarkable deal. It sounds sounds like a great one. Um, is this a is this a buyer that you've worked with before? It is. It is. We worked. We we work a lot together, and so we. You know, we understand the market that we're going after. I know exactly what he wants. We have a great relationship. And that that's actually one of the benefits is these clients become our friends. They become sometimes our business partners. We have the ability to, to understand like what they want. So I can pick up the phone and say, hey, this thing just came across my desk. I think it's great for you. Yeah, it, def- it definitely makes a huge difference. I'm uh, I'm going to crash at my real estate agent's house for three nights next weekend. So it's true. <laughs> Rob, can you just give us a little update on the, the DC market too? And as you said, it's huge, but just like generally speaking, is this representative of deals that you're seeing, like a lot of distress in the market or, or how would you characterize the majority of the deals you're seeing right now? No, it's interesting because I was I was so wrong about like, there was a lot of doom and gloom last September, October, November, and the beginning of the year, like like literally it, it opened back up in our market. And we started seeing multiple offers in our market again. Um, I, was, I was shocked, to be honest with you, Dave. It just goes to show you the resilience of the market that, that we're in. And um, yeah, it, 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 it so... There's still low inventory, number one. Inventory is low. Buyers don't seem to be deterred. They're out there and they're actively looking. And I think people wrap their mind around the new reality. Hey, these are these are the interest rates. I may have to shift my expectation of what I'm able to buy, but I think that that's now occurring. And um, the beginning of the market, the beginning of the year was a, was a good time for our market. For sure. I, I've been hearing that like across the board. Uh, I mean, not not everywhere, you know, not like Phoenix, but, uh, you know, like a lot of markets were hearing people saying that beginning in the year, it corresponded with lo- a bit lower interest rates and not that much lower. But it's it shows, like you said, the real resilience, like it dropped from, you know, I think it peaked at like 7.4% for the average 30 year fixed rate mortgage, dropped down to like low sixes, still double where it was the previous year. And people were still just like jumping back into the market. So super interesting to see that now they're going back up again. So we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, glad to see that there's a little bit of thawing in the market. And from just the deals you and Dahlia have shared so far, um, it shows that like if people are committed and patient and willing to think creatively, that there are absolutely still good deals in this market. So thank you for sharing that. I have a question for Rob. Um, so in your market, are you seeing, are people able to cash flow right now? Because that's like the biggest thing, the biggest question I get asked all the time is, can I buy and cash flow and I tell people it's possible, but it's tight. So I would love to hear how it is in DC right now, like in your area, if you're seeing that. 
Yeah, our area is not a cash flow market unless you're going to house hack or you're going to do something in some of the outs, like outer areas of the DMV area uh, when it comes to vacation rentals, right? So otherwise, the answer is absolutely no. So people are just banking on appreciation. Well, well, they're they're either house hacking, right, and and they're playing that game, and, and or they're buying vacation rentals, which you can absolutely cash flow on. So you just gotta those two. But if you're looking to cash flow in a single family house or a, a townhouse in the DMV area, that that is really tough at today's prices and today's interest. Rates. Okay, I was just curious. I'm sure it's like that for David. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, I think part of the cash flow versus appreciation debate that always goes on, right? We're we're always having to like kind of deconstruct that and then re-understand it under different concepts. Appreciation used to be like speculation. You are just speculating that the price will go up and you're losing money every month. With as much as inflation as we've seen, it's just kind of wrecked havoc in the markets. And we're all trying to understand how do we make sense of the new rules that have been created. One of them is that appreciation actually affects <clears throat> cash flow just as much as it affects the value of the asset. So you're seeing that you bought a property, like for me, I bought a property five years ago, six years ago, and it rented for $1,400 a month. And now it rents for $2,200 a month. So like, it's not cash flow or appreciation. It's ca- it's appreciation within cash flow, if that makes any sense. Like you're, you sort of have to think a little more, con- it's like, now we got to play chess when real estate used to be checkers. And I, I miss those days. <laughs> I liked it much more when it was like, run your numbers, see the ROI, put your money towards that, buy the house, you're done. Now, now we're sort of having to think several steps ahead and use more complicated strategies, which is why podcasts like this become more important because it's not as simple as, oh, I read a book, you know, the book on buying rental property by Brandon Turner and I bought a house and I'm done. Now we're constantly evaluating this stuff and trying to figure out what markets is the demand going to be flooding into? Where's the money going to be going? Where are the jobs going? What can I expect my cash flow to look like in five years? And do I have enough to get me to that point? That's what makes it so much fun, right? I love about it. Yeah, if you love it. That's right. But it's not for the faint of heart. This isn't like the people that buy stocks. They just, you know, put money in their 401k and they let it sit and they look back 20 years and oh, I have a bunch of money. It's the market fluctuates so much more. You really have to pay attention to your investments and it's it's becoming something that takes more attention than just the pure passive income that it was when we first started talking about this, even like six or seven years ago. But it offers better returns than the stock market. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) That's the thing. It offers better returns than everything. It can offer better returns than your job, right? It just isn't passive returns. Like Rob's point that cash flow will come from a vacation rental. Yeah, but vacation rentals are more work. It's not the same as just set it and forget it, right? So you just, you sort of have, that's what I mean by we have to reanalyze what we're getting into. You have to count the cost going into this to know, do I want to do this? And what is it going to require? Being an entrepreneur, it's not just sitting back and doing nothing. All right. Well, David, I've hogged the microphone on your show long enough. Tell us about your your deal in San Diego. So uh, our deal comes in the San Diego market, which is one of those markets that is very hard to get into. You are all but guaranteed to make money over the long term. It's, it appreciates quickly. Rents go up. Values go up. There's a limited supply in that market, so it's constricted. And so you're likely to see increasing demand there. If you've ever been to San Diego, if anyone wants a BPCon, you see why. It's just gorgeous. Like I, Every time I go, I'm like, you know, you talk about San Diego as being nice, but it's underrated how nice it is when you actually go. It's like I call it the Bermuda Triangle. Like You never want to leave. You just go there and you're like, I'm never leaving this place ever. But it is a notoriously hard market to invest in because you're competing with primary home buyers. 
Everyone wants to live there. The people that are moving there have good money because it's an expensive place to live. So as an investor who's on a budget, you're trying to you know make a dollar out of 15 cents. You're competing against people that have a dollar and they're fine to get only 15 cents in return as long as they can live in San Diego. So what we did was uh, we're targeting short-term rentals because obviously the cash flow is bigger there. You're going to need that to make sense in this market for our clients. But there's a tier system in San Diego where they only issue so many permits to do short-term rentals because all the investors flooded in there and started doing it. So then people who live there go put pressure on the local politicians who say, we're going to limit how often this happens. Now we got to be creative to figure out how to make it work. Well, one loophole that we found on the David Green team, specifically representing clients in San Diego, is if you own the property as your primary residence, you jump to the top of that permit system. You don't have to go to the bottom and wait. So what we're doing is is we're looking for properties that either have or we can develop a small ADU for this young married couple to go live in, and then they rent out the main house, right? So it's, it's almost no different than if you were an investor and bought the main house to then go use as a short-term rental, but you're getting to live in part of it and you're also putting less money down. You can get in for three and a half, five percent down and you have to put the 20 or 25% down your competition does, or in this case, no money down. So we're actually working with a VA buyer, which to be honest with you, there was a time like maybe just a year ago, trying to be a VA buyer in San Diego, don't even try. Which is funny because it's a military town, but you don't have a chance to use a military loan to get in. Because the sellers just didn't want it, right? They were just looking for cash. Yeah. No, the sellers had twelve other offers, and they they could be cash. They're not even the minute they see VA, it's just no thank you. It, it gets thrown out. Uh, but in this market, we're seeing some opportunity, and so we found a property that was listed at nine hundred and twenty-five, but they really listed it too low. Now, this is usually the job of a good listing agent. This is like a smart agent who didn't price their home too high and then have to chase the market coming back down. But what happened is they were expecting a bidding war that didn't come because everyone's sort of hesitant right now, like oh, I don't know. So we were able to get in there early, and no other offers came. So now VA doesn't look bad. It looks good. It's that it work, you're comparing us to nothing as opposed to comparing us to 12 other buyers. And it's not a situation where we have tons of competition. There's a couple other buyers sniffing around. They didn't want to go take our, our asking price offer. So what we did is we negotiated a higher asking price, 940, but we have the sellers paying for 100% of the closing costs as well as buying down our client's rate. So they're getting a lower rate and they're saving a bunch of money they would pay in closing costs. And for almost a million dollar property, those closing costs get pretty high. We're not talking about chump change here. And we're just borrowing the extra money from the lender because my borrower doesn't have to put any down payment. So they're getting to borrow 100% of the money from the lender. They're giving that to the seller to lock this thing up at what really it could have been at the peak. It could have been listed at like a million fifty. If they really wanted to go hard, that's where they would have listed it. They were much more conservative. So we're still getting a deal that's going to appraise for less than what we're buying, even though we went over asking price. And the benefit here is our clients are getting to save more capital to put in towards improvement of the property rather than throwing it at closing costs that you get no ROI on. So even though we're paying over list price, the property is going to appraise for more than the price that we're putting it under contract for. So the plan here is to take a two-car garage and convert that into an ADU using about, it's going to be around 80 grand, we think. And so probably a third of that money is going to come from closing costs that the seller is contributing. We don't have to. It was budgeted for something else. And then they're going to put the rest of the money into that garage, which they don't have to put a down payment on the property. So even though they're spending money on the rehab, they're still coming out of pocket for less than they would have if they had to come in with a down payment because they're getting to use this VA loan. 
They're going to convert that that two-car garage into an ADU. They're going to live in it, which makes it a primary residence. And then they're going to rent out the main house. They're just going to do some upgrades in there. Things like making the bathroom nicer, adding some new countertops, adding some new cabinets, stuff that isn't super expensive, but that's why the property was available at that 925 price when it could have been listed for more because it's outdated and it's kind of not at the top of the other buyers who are looking for uh, homes lists. San Diego is going to let them jump to the front of the line to get short-term rental permits because they're going to be living in the house. So this is sort of like, what's that Disneyland fast pass thing that you can get where you don't have to wait in the lines, right? Ticks off everybody else who doesn't have it, but it's nice when you do. And the money that they think that they're going to get out of the short-term rental is going to cover about 85% of what their mortgage is going to be when they start off. So they're going to be living in one of the most expensive markets in the country where wages are very high and they're going to be paying about 15% of their mortgage in year one, which is, which, I mean, a lot of people mess up house hacking because they expect to cash flow and live for free. I just think that's unrealistic expectations unless you're in a very cheap market. Saving money is the same thing as making money. Keep more of it. It's even better because you don't get taxed on money that you save. When you make money, you still got to pay taxes, right? I love, I love the whole ADU game that you guys are playing. I'm actually in Anaheim for our Keller Williams National Conference, and I'm staying in an ADU right now. And it's, it's awesome, right? Found it on Airbnb and they're making some extra cash doing it. It's just phenomenal. That's what we say. You can't find a good deal in today's market or it's much harder to, but you can make a good deal. It's learning to look at these properties and seeing what they could be. Kind of that cheesy highest and best use stuff that you hear about in the appraisal game that everyone used to make fun of. It now actually makes sense. Like what is the highest and best use for this property? Why do they have that huge detached two-car garage when no one even puts their car in it anymore? It should be converted into something that could be useful. And we can do that because we're not putting a down payment on the. So they saved all this money for their down payment. They don't even have to use it. They get to immediately improve the property, add square footage to this 1,100 square foot house, which is going to make it worth a whole lot more. At some point, they could refinance if they wanted. There's so many benefits here. Part of the reason that we were able to get this property is we moved faster than everyone else did. When it came on the market, we saw this could be listed for much higher. We know what they're normally worth. You never see something at 925 that's in this neighborhood in North San Diego, jumped on it right away. And then we made rapport with the seller. So when when our agent was walking the house with the client, they noticed that the seller had a lot of University of Wisconsin uh, like memorabilia hanging around and our buyer had moved from Wisconsin. So when we set up the next showing, we had them wear Green Bay Packers gear and, and the seller was at the house. It's like, oh, what do you know? We're also Wisconsinites. And that's a game that like you guys, as the agents on this, on this thing know, we play that game for everything that it's worth however we can. And then we played up the whole, this is a military family and it was an older older lady who owns the house. So she was excited about the fact it's military. That, that's awesome. I love that trick. I'm going to just start researching everyone and wearing their team colors. Uh, but I did want to ask you something, David. With these permitting systems in San Diego and they're popping up a lot all over the place, it seems to me that it's daunting, but if you get one of those permits, it's actually kind of like the best case scenario, right? Because are are you seeing rent, uh, you know, like average daily rates and revenue potential for the people who do have permits hold steady, go up? Are they performing pretty well? This is something important to notice across the country. Like I recently stepped into a big pile of doo-doo when I bought my 18 properties over 60 days. And a lot of them were short-term rentals. And I got into the short-term. I only bought in two previous to this. They were both in Hawaii. They were both pretty simple. 
I didn't realize how incredibly complicated and slow the permit process had become, specifically with short-term rentals. And then when you amplify that by adding in construction permits, it's been hell for me with these properties just sitting there and the city, I almost think the city is purposely taking a long time out of spite because all they get is complaints from the Karens, the, the neighbors, the NIMBYs that call in to yell. And so they start to hate investors too. And if they have an opportunity to just push your, your file off for a long time, I think that's happening sometimes. I didn't realize how bad it was. So to your point, Dave, if you can get a permit, there's actually value in that permit itself because what's hurting the short-term rental market is how much inventory is flooding in a lot of these places where they're popular. You have investor inventory flooding there and you have people who live in these homes instead of selling them, they just turn it into a short-term rental, let a property manager take it over and then they just move. They don't even sell their house and then go move somewhere and they end up making more on that short-term rental than, their, than two of their mortgages on the house they move into. It makes more sense to do that than it is to sell their house and put the money into a lower mortgage, just a better use of capital. So you're seeing a flood of inventory in these short-term rental markets where you analyze a deal, it makes sense, you go off the numbers you have, you buy it, and then a year, two years later, you're dropping your price every month because there's so many other people that are competing. So in the cities where they make it hell for you to get the permit, it is, like you mentioned, Dave, an upside because it restricts how many other people can come. That barrier to entry actually protects your investment. Yeah, I know someone who has a, a short-term rental in like this kind of rural town and has no intention to buy more. It's like sort of a use it for personal use, rent it out sometimes. And they're trying to stop all new permits for short-term rentals, but he would be grandfathered in. And they're kind of like, he's kind of like up in arms. He's like, oh my God, they're trying to come after a business. I was like, that's kind of the best possible thing for you. It's like, they're just going to stop all of your competition and you still keep getting to do it. So just saying, like, I, I know the, the regulations are a little bit daunting, but if there are ways, like David is suggesting, to sort of get in when there's going to be limited supply, it could be really powerful. So unfortunately, we do need to get out of here, but I would love to just part with one question or two questions, actually, I'm going to pose to each of you. One is, what's something that you're looking forward to in the housing market or your your specific market in 2023? And then where can people listening to this connect with you? Dahlia, let's start with you. I would say the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is just being able to continue to get more and more deals. Um, that would probably be the biggest thing. As the rates come down, I'm sure we're going to start seeing a spike in buyers again, as long as this inventory stays on the low side. So hopefully in the meantime, just continue to get more and more deals and We'll see how 2023 goes. I feel like it's been hard to predict these last couple of years, but excited to see what happens. I like the sound of more deals. Where can people uh, connect with you if they want to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my website is asnrealty.com. They can find me on Facebook at asnrealty and then, of course, on Bigger Pockets. Great. All right, Rob, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the spring market. It's it's already heating up. We've been helping a lot of first time home buyers house hack and that that's been big for us in in, in this market and uh, I think there was a lot of fear towards the end of last year and that fear is now broken and we're seeing a lot of those buyers coming to us so we we know it's going to be a good time for first time home buyers that that are interested in house hacking to to you know take that that step forward and um, you know the market feels good so I'm I'm feeling good about it 
feeling good about it. Great. And if people are also feeling good and want a house hack in DC, where should they connect with you? They can find me on Agent Finder, right? They can find me on Agent Finder uh, or at Rob Chavez uh, on Instagram. Yeah, if you want to find what Rob is talking about and identify a investor-friendly agent in your area, you can do that completely for free at biggerpockets.com slash agent finder. It will match you with investor-friendly agents completely free. It's a no-brainer if you're looking to get into the market right now. David, take us away. What are you excited about? I think this spring we're going to see, like I mentioned, the three tiers of how most markets are broken up. I think luxury markets are still going to stay a little bit slower think some of that money is is they don't have to buy a house they they wait they time it right and they're gonna be a little scared and the higher price homes the higher interest rates affect them asymmetrically more than lower price homes so i think starter homes you're gonna see a lot of turnover a, a bit of a frenzy like you normally see in the spring to get them the step-up homes less and the luxury homes probably aren't gonna look much different than what they look like right now and if people want to find out more about me, they can listen to this podcast. By the way, you guys are doing a great job of that right now. <laughs> or they could go to my new website, davidgreen24.com. I'm pretty much at davidgreen24 on every social media, whatever your favorite is. But check out the new website. See some of the stuff that I have going on. I'm, I'm putting retreats together now. And we do uh, Friday night YouTube lives as well. So the market's changing really quick here at Bigger Pockets. We're putting out as much information as we possibly can for you guys. Now is the time to be consuming more real estate information than ever. This is not our grandpa's real estate where you could buy a house, forget about it for 20 years, and then hand it to your grandkids. All right. Well, thank you all so much for being here. This is super fun. I, I really like doing these kinds of deal analysis. Hopefully everyone listening to this uh, can is inspired um, by the types of deals that all three of these agents have brought to us and seeing that even though that this is a, you know, a different and challenging market, as David just said, there are still great opportunities out there. Thank you all again for being here. Everyone should visit the Agent Finder at biggerpockets.com slash Agent Finder to connect with David and our guests on today's show, Dahlia and Rob, as well as other investor-friendly agents who can help you take the right steps to close your next deal. It is fast. It is completely free and it's super easy to use. You can search for a market like San Diego, DC, Tulsa, or any other market that you're interested in, you enter your investment criteria, and then you just connect with the agents that you want to connect with. So check it out, biggerpockets.com slash agent finder, where you can match with experts in their market, just like Dahlia, Rob, and David, or an expert in your local area. All right, well, thanks again for everyone for listening, for Rob, Dahlia, and David, the friendliest of all investor-friendly agents. Green, we will see you next time on the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and BAM! 
instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.